honestly, I was just working my way up to death. I thought about killing myself every day. I was using all the time, and I, that's not a sustainable lifestyle. My brother shot himself because of drugs. When you are using technology to lure children for sexual purposes, there's a couple of problems that concern me. But I remember feeling kind of relieved after hurting myself. Do you have any idea how much you were worth? I like to say it this way, great people are really built in the furnace of affliction. Our teens are navigating a world of information anarchy and increased stress and pressure. Drugs are glorified more than ever before and there seems to be a suicide option that didn't exist prior. As adults, we are responsible to provide the help at-risk teens need. Have teens changed or is it just the world they live in that's different? Is this why so many teens are traumatized or triggered? My name is Aaron Huey and in 2009, I opened a home for these teens with the hopes of giving them a second chance at creating the life we all know they deserve. Now I want to give parents the information that contributed to our success and to support them in navigating the at-risk world. These are the stories told by the teens and the techniques used by experts to help them. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. There was a period of time, a period of time uh, in running a facility where we really struggled with, the, with our state monitors at the state of Colorado about staying in contact with graduates. Now, there are very specific rules in working with adolescents, and this protects the child. So that's not the part that I was arguing with the state of Colorado about. And when I say arguing, we have an incredible relationship with our monitors and they have been nothing but friends to Fire Mountain. But we, we hit this little obstacle and it was about the, the simple fact that when a child graduates from a facility, they're not supposed to have contact with the facility anymore. And all of the state monitors and all of the facilities know that finding a way to stay in contact with these graduates increased the chance of their recovery, increased the permanence of their recovery, dropped relapse rates down to the floor. And the state of Colorado really worked hard with Fire Mountain so that we could find a way to continue the relationship and be in compliance with state law and door regulations and everything else, which we have. Now, knowing that and carrying that around and feeling very prideful around that, I ran into Court Courtney Martinez and she works with Sierra Tucson, which uh, from a previous podcast, you know, I have visited and it's a gorgeous campus. It's a gorgeous facility, but she's in charge of the alumni. And I want families to hear, especially if there's a parent in recovery themselves, how important alumni foundations are. And I'm gonna send this over to Courtney. Uh, and then Courtney was talking to me about finding out a way to have her own podcast. And, and I'm all about helping uh, this process. So Courtney Martinez, thank you for being on Beyond Risk and Back. And please, not just what you do with Sierra uh, Tucson, how you ended up there. What's your story, Courtney? Hi, thank you so much for having me. 
Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Pleasure to meet you. Um, so yeah, so I am Courtney Martinez. I am the Media and Alumni Coordinator for Sierra Tucson. And we actually have it split into three separate regions. So I'm one of three. Uh, I actually do the Western and International regions uh, for outreach. And uh, we have an Eastern Alumni Coordinator. Her name is Laura Wagner, and she's based in Philadelphia. And then Tim McLeod is our uh, director of alumni relations and Connect 365, which is another program we have to really support alumni uh, after leaving our facility. And so he oversees both programs and he is based in Kansas City. So I ended up at Sierra Tucson about four and a half years ago and I started in admissions. And it was, you know, I've been in behavioral health over 13 years, um, worked for several different facilities. But when I came to Sierra Tucson, I started in admissions and it was such an incredible process, you know, because you're really hearing the crisis, you're knowing what's going on, you're you're really kind of the first person in the front lines, and it's, it can be really intense. Um, as I was transitioning into the alumni coordinator position when that opened up, I was super excited because I was with someone through the entirety of their journey. So I was leaving my admissions role after having helped a few people that were, you know, struggling in their, their trauma. I was there at the facility during the time of their um, recovery. And then I ended up being their alumni coordinator because they were in my region. So I really followed them through that whole process. And three years later, you know, they're doing wonderful. They're really happy to stay connected. There's really that like, this bond that happens with alumni are able to connect like that. What is it that uh, alumni do, especially in a rehab type situation, in a recovery situation? Why are we staying in contact with people, and I'm using air quotes, who are healed and trying to get back to their lives? What's, what's the purpose of an alumni uh, organization? So the biggest purpose is a sense of connection and support. It's kind of like being a recovery cheerleader in the sense that, you know, regardless of what's going on, they know that they're loved and supported through that process. So whether they're not doing well or whether they're doing great, there's somebody there to really walk that road with them. And, and it creates this kind of family bond. The more connection you have, you know, the, the more likely you are to stay in recovery, active in your recovery. And we have data outcomes that show you know, the more support there is, the more activities there are, the more alumni you know are like you, the more resources you have to connect afterwards, really strengthens that bond not only for recovery, but within other people, sharing their messages of hope, being of service, giving back, and really feeling that strength and that bond as they move forward. So you were telling me that it was it every Saturday night or Sunday night at Sierra Tucson, you have an alumni come in and talk. Absolutely, so we have a voluntary program every Saturday evening where an alumni will come of their own accord just to be of service and they share their story. They share their message of hope. They talk about what life was like before coming to Sierra Tucson, um, what they experienced at Sierra Tucson and then what's been, what they've been up to since leaving. Uh, is it, I want to say required, you work with adults and uh, recovery is never required. But when someone is at Sierra Tucson, they're going through the recovery process, is this a mandatory participatory event or is this just something that uh, your current clients can show up to if they feel like listening to someone tell their story? Great question. Um, so, you know, it is on their schedule. It is something we is highly encouraged to attend. Um, but since they are adults, they're able to make their, their decision. We do work with 18 plus population. Um, but you know, it's really interesting because people go and I hear feedback time and time again that it's like one of the most things that they enjoy the most throughout the week. 
because they really get to connect. They feel supported. They recognize like, wow, this person can do it. I have a possibility of doing it too, or I want to come back and be a speaker. They do have to be active in recovery for at least a year before they come back and speak. And then they set that time up with me and, and, you know, they have an opportunity, the current residents have an opportunity to talk to alum and really, you know, after we, they do the speaker meeting, to ask those personal questions. What was it like? What was the fear? What was the anxiety? What's the real, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly part of it? And how did you move through that? And to know that they're supported. Part of our alumni program that we do as well is we have a lot of uh, different meetings across the country that's just for alumni, so just for Sierra Tucson alumni to be able to go, feel supported, encouraged. It's very much like the process group. We also hold workshops. We work with different therapists across the country to set up, you know, maybe we're working on codependency or relapse prevention or trauma work or learning about self-love. Just a two-hour workshop is something that just really helps solidify some of those skills that we're constantly learning. And the recovery doesn't end after 30 days. It's a lifelong process. And is this alumni thing, can people join uh, watching an alumni, listening to alumni online? Is this live streamed, anything like that? Or is this just the people who are currently in the facility who get to hear these stories? Yeah, so it is just the people currently who get to hear these stories. But that's why we're interested in doing a podcast because we would love to come up. You know, the stories are so, everyone has a story and their story is so powerful it's that message of healing we did end up publishing a book uh it's called uh, nothing changed but me and it's the first 48 hours after leaving sierra tucson and that book is available on amazon.com um, but all of our residents get a free copy of that book when they sign up with their recovery coach and uh, the reason for that is you get to learn that first 48 hours of what that was like 33 of our uh, alumni wrote stories just a short little two or three pages uh, each about what it was like when they left that first 48 hours. And we actually do consider our family members to be alumni as well. So they wrote two of their perspectives, their own fears of what it's like when their loved one leaves, what's life going to be like. It doesn't all just magically get better right away, right? It's a process. And so it's really supporting that. And it's really become a very popular book. Are alumni ever asked by, uh, you know, current clients to be coaches or a sponsor or anything like that? And is that, is that acceptable? Is that part of it? Or are these alumni here to tell their story and then toodle on and let these people get back to their work? That's a great question. Actually, we've had a few instances of someone sharing their story and at the end we open for questions and someone will stand up and say, can you be my sponsor? That's like exactly my story. What you just said, it's like change the names. But I'm that sure, me. I'm sure. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it. That's the connection. And we do, of course, have boundaries around that. We do want to make sure that we can set people up with the appropriate, you know, amount of time and space and the right person. Um, but we do have alumni ambassadors. So we do have people that are, you know, after they've been active in the recovery for some time, willing to take on those roles and, and kind of help guide. We kind of do it based on location since we do have alumni from all over the country and all over the world. Uh, my audience are parents, teachers, and clinicians. And even my teachers and clinicians most often tend to be parents. So my question is, of all these alumni you've watched talk, of, of these, these stories, these potent experiences, the first 48 hours, the book you've published, what is it that you know about either recovery, the first 48 hours, or uh, maintaining sobriety um, that sticks with you, that you hear over and over and you're like, that must be a thing for a lot of people because addicts, alcoholics, people who suffer with mental illness, we all believe that we are terminally unique, that no one else has our story. And I understand that 
you know, someone said, oh my God, that was my story. Would you be my sponsor? My very first meeting in a 12-step room, a guy got up and said, I started smoking pot at age 12. And I was like, me too. And suddenly I wasn't terminally unique. I wasn't going to die because I was alone and no one understood. This person not only understood, but told my story. So my question is, what do you know now because of everybody's stories? That's a common theme that you can tell my parents, look for this. When, you're, when your child's on the path of healing, this is going to happen. And that's a, that's a great question. And, I, you know, the thing that I've really seen as that process has been kind of ever evolving is the idea that you're not alone and that there are people like us in, in all realms and places in recovery. And some of us might be further along. Some of us might have more time than others. Um, but recovery from everything, not even just addiction, but looking at recovery from trauma, recovery from mood disorders, recovery from chronic pain all of that and just when they hear those stories and they feel that connection it's just like i am not alone i finally have people to understand me to get my perspective i think one of the biggest things that really embraces our alumni culture is the fact that they get to be authentically themselves and they get to be loved and supported authentically themselves and that i think is the biggest that's why it feels like a family that family connection when people leave they don't want to leave that space and so we do an annual retreat every year where the alumni can get back together and kind of get back into the groove of healing and you know what's working, what's not working, what can we do. Um, the second piece of it is, I think, the honest reflection that, that it is a process, that it, there is no like magic button to just be like, after 30 days, it's done, I'm you're done. over, I'm done, I'm, I'm done. healed, I'm cured. That there's, that's, and that's an unrealistic, unrealistic expectation. And it's too about working with families and understanding, you know, what can we do to help take care of ourselves as well through this process? And, you know, what's the safest way for us to be able to make sure that we're nurturing ourselves and also caring for our loved ones? And what does that look like? And, you know, learning ways to communicate that's a really healthy process for both involved. And just knowing that there's going to be ups and downs, it's not a linear process that, you know, I think that's the biggest thing for loved ones to recognize is that sometimes it takes a few times or sometimes it can feel overwhelming, but there is hope and that, that message of getting connected to other people is like ourselves. All right. So say I'm a parent. I have an, a, an adult child, 26, 27 years old, and they're saying, hey, I think I need treatment and I'm a parent. I want to get in touch with Sierra Tucson. Tell me how to do it. All right. So... And I should have the admissions number on me. Wait just a second. Okay, no worries. <laughs> Edit that part out. <laughs> it's a, we're live, Courtney. We're should, live. I no. should have it memorized. Right? And listen, folks, I, I will tell you, my wife and I, uh, when we were looking many years ago, did tour Sierra Tucson. Uh, this place is gorgeous. This place is a, a beautiful environment. If you know my other podcast, we were uh, uh, talking with Jim. Jim Davis uh, about the labyrinth and uh, Jim and I found a lot of connection on a lot of things. Well, that was at Sierra Tucson where he's working. If you don't remember. Okay. You got the number. The number. Awesome. Okay. So the best way to reach us is call and contact our admissions team at 855-398-9967 and ask to speak to an alumni as well. You know, once you go through the process and you have questions and you really want to speak to someone who's been through it, let the admissions coordinator know and they'll contact our alumni time our alumni team will reach out to the alums and you know we can find you someone who's had a very similar experience that can give you an honest reflection of what it was like for them and where they're at now you know i think uh your alumni provide for you 
you know, these stories, the stories that the alumni tell, they're real, they're honest, they're open, they're heartfelt. And these are people who are in that 12th step. They're giving back. They're trying to serve. They're reaching out to addicts who are still struggling. And it's a ready-made podcast. So I think you wanting to do a podcast with these alumni is genius. Uh, I strongly recommend you do it. I love being a podcaster. I love my network, uh, Mental Health News Radio. So if it's something that you're looking for, contact our boss goddess, Kristen Walker, because she's amazing. And uh, Courtney, thanks for being on Beyond Risk and Back. Thank you so much. Oh, you did you did fantastic. You did amazing. I'm glad they gave you permission to come on board. This was a great one. Parents, remember you take care of yourself first, your adult relationship second, your children third, because in that way we do our best work with our children. Courtney Martinez from Sierra Tucson has been my guest, and we'll talk next week on Beyond Risk and Back. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Beyond Risk and Back. Join us each week for your connection to experts in adolescent health and wellness, recovery, and responsibility, and also to listen to teens talk about their lives in crisis. For more information on our program for struggling teens or me, please go to firemountainprograms.com, join us on Facebook at Fire Mountain Residential Treatment Center, or at Beyond Risk and Back. Visit our YouTube channel at Fire Mountain RTC for even more support with our parent training videos. Special thanks to Mental Health News Radio for their continued love and support of our program. Please go to mentalhealthnewsradio.com to see all of their podcasts. Feel free to email me at Aaron at firemountainprograms.com.